Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Will with ScheduleFly, and I'm really excited today to have Scott Schmidt on the phone. Uh, Scott owns Looking Glass Hospitality Group. He's in Cincinnati, Ohio. He's had a long-tenured, awesome career in the restaurant business, which I can't wait to ask him about, but he was very kind today to take some time. So, Scott, thank you very much. My pleasure. Um, all right, man. So, Start me out here with, uh, you've been doing this for, for quite a while, and you've had a, a lot of experience with some great organizations. What, how did you get started in hospitality initially? Well, uh, when I was 15 years old, I was dating a girl whose family owned a restaurant, and that was my introduction to it. Um, so I ended up uh, working there as a dishwasher and a host, and... Uh, I haven't stopped working in restaurants ever since. So it's been 35 years now. So it just, it did just click initially. You loved what you were doing early on or, or just what happened? Uh, well, you know, I, I never intended to stay in the restaurant business. Um, I was a corporate bar trainer for, uh, a company, uh, called cooker bar and grill, um, that existed, uh, you know, during the eighties and nineties, they were, quite prolific, got up to 65 locations. Um, and, uh, they always tried to talk me into becoming a manager for them. And I would always laugh at them and say, well, who would ever want to be a restaurant manager? And, uh, you know, here I am 35 years later, still a restaurant manager. So. <laughs> yeah. 35 years, man. So, well, okay. Well, let me ask you this. Cause you started out as a dishwasher and a host. So you started at, at quote the bottom, if you will, um, sure. do you, um, and you've, I'm sure over the years you've done probably every position there is, is, do you see that as being very valuable for folks to start, um, you know, in those positions so that you, you really are able to learn every aspect of the business? Do you think that's a real helpful, uh, way to go about it? And the reason I ask that is because I think, you know, these days a lot of folks may come out of culinary school or, or elsewhere or not even there, but just, you know, don't want to start quote at the bottom, but, uh, uh, from the sense that you feel like you deserve something a little bit more, but isn't that a beneficial way to do it? Yes. I mean, I, I think for you to, to be effective in this industry, you have to have touched all of the positions in a restaurant at one time or another, um, to, to be able to understand a, a dishwasher's position. If you've never stood back in a dish tank, in the hot steamy you know atmosphere and understood that that's really a vital job because there's no one else in the restaurant that touches every single guest like a dishwasher does you know if you think about a server they just touch the, their tables if you think about a host they just touch the people that they talk to that night a manager a bartender etc but the dishwasher there's not a single guest that does anything in your restaurant without touching dishes mm. so it's truly a vital position and far too often we treat it like it's the the bottom position in the restaurant and uh there's no other position that's as important in that as that and if you've never worked in the dish tank you don't understand how important it is that there's training and expectations and you know that that person is truly a valuable member of your team how do you, uh, I love that, man. I love it. How do you make a dishwasher feel the same way about their job? Because I would bet a lot of them just feel like, okay, I'm just here to 
wash dishes, whatever, you know, it's what I have to do. I'm going to do it. But how do you make them feel that way? Cause I mean, the way you articulated it, you can't listen to that and not feel like that's right. That's actually a really important position. Do you, how do you make the people that do that feel the same? Well, I mean, in our current restaurant structure, it, our, our dishwashers, a, we pay them very well. Um, we don't try to make that the place where you try and find the cheapest labor. Um, B, we make sure that the entire team says hello to them, treats them with respect, offers them help as you would any other position in the restaurant. Um, even, you know, my wife, who's one of the owners, you know, with me in, in the company, you know, she goes back and works in the dish tank with them when they're getting beat up. And she'll wash pots and pans and she'll scrub, you know, make them feel like they're they're appreciated and that they're a valuable member of the team. We give them free meals every shift they work, um, feed them for free, um, give them breaks, make sure that, you know, they're they're treated like they're a valued member of the team. Um, you know, we ensure that they. Uh, um, you know, we, we make sure that they see and and feel that teamwork and hopefully understand that we really do appreciate the fact that they're here and working hard for us yeah you know the um i love that i think i'm i'm sure that's something that's probably easy easily overlooked in a lot of places um but the, the way you make your employees feel and the investment of your time and energy and care that you and your wife clearly put into this, I, I've got to imagine that's a huge uh, boon for you all for, you know, keeping good people, which is so hard these days. Sure. I mean, that's one of the things when we started our company, you know, we wanted to make sure that we did things a little differently than the restaurant industry has historically done them. Um, one, making sure our people feel appreciated. You know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in my job as the owner, manager, you know, someone that's running a restaurant is to take great care of the people that work there. The guest then in turn is hopefully well taken care of by those people because they enjoy being there. They're there for the right reasons and they feel appreciated. So the hospitality that they give the guest is genuine. We've all gone to restaurants and had that service staff, you know, member come up to the table and you can just see that they're miserable and that doesn't, you know, lead you to a great experience. And, uh, you know, so we, we do a lot of things in our company, you know, I provide full benefits for anyone who works over 30 hours. Not only do I provide benefits, but I also pay 50% of their premiums for the benefits. Um, we offered paid vacations for all of our our employees, whether they're part time or full time. So there's a lot of things where we reinvest the money back into the, the team rather than trying to keep it in our pocket. Um, you know, for our managers, I have a moratorium on hours at 45 hours a week. Mm. Um, so that is the expected level of, of time that they're supposed to spend in the restaurant two days off every week, no longer than nine hour shifts. And ideally if they can get under 40, good for them. That makes me happy. 
Well, are you able to, I mean, these are big investments that you're making. Um, but is the payback, Scott, that you, you're, I mean, cause turnover is really expensive. Is your payback that you, you turn over less, your folks stay around longer, which, you know, essentially makes up for a lot of the investment that you're making on the front end of these folks? Uh, yes. I mean, our, our turnover is lower than much lower than industry averages right now, for sure. Um, I can't quote you an exact percentage. I haven't done the math recently and I don't want to lie. Um, but, uh, you know, we still have a lot of our original team members in both of our, our current locations. Um, and, you know, I only believe there's one kind of bad turnover, you know, Unfortunately, our industry is a transient position for most people. Most people yeah. don't look at being a server or a bartender as a, you know, this is my career. Um, and, you know, bad turnover for me is only when someone leaves because you didn't live up to the promises of the culture or the company. Um, you know, when somebody gets an opportunity opportunity to go and pursue their degree in school, that's not bad turnover it's good turnover. They're getting a chance to move forward in their lives. And if you're truly invested in your people, you care about the things that are important to them and where they ultimately want to get to. Um, so, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in the only bad turnover is when somebody leaves because you didn't live up to your end of the deal. Um, you know, you put in writing, we provide this or we do this, or you say, this is the culture of the company. And you in fact, don't live that. Um, so, you know, somebody getting an opportunity to become a manager in another restaurant company, but I don't have that position available currently in my company. I don't look at that as bad turnover. We gave them the skill set to get that job. That's a positive not a negative. Yeah. So I, I think it's all on how you look at turnover and, and understand that if, if you believe in this industry, you're going to hire, you know, a staff of 40 servers and the expectation is for zero turnover. That's not very realistic. Um, you know, very few people are going to stick with you throughout their entire careers. Um, there are those that do that grow with the company, become managers, become regionals, you know, et cetera. But that's, that's not the typical path for most people. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, makes, makes a ton of sense. Um, what you have, um, I mean, you've worked for some, some bigger organizations, Ruth, Ruth Chris and Tavern group and so forth over the years. So, uh, when did you start looking glass? and and why well um you know early on in my career i owned a, a sports bar and restaurant in chicago um, and that was my first foyer into ownership i opened that in 1994 um owned it for about three and a half years and then uh sold out my share to the other partners in the business and went back to the corporate world um and then i was in the corporate world you know, for, you know, the next 22 years. Um, and then, uh, um, you know, I, I, I've seen a shift in people's dining habits um, and the independent restaurateur is the person 
that many people want to support now. Yeah. Uh, they, they don't like eating in chain restaurants. They don't like that homogenized experience that you get in chain restaurants. And, you know, being a part of large companies for many years, I just felt like, you know, there's a better way to do this. Mm. Um, and, you know, it was always my intent to get back to ownership and having my own company. It was just, it's hard to take that leap of faith. And when you're making a good amount of money yeah. and, you know, for me, you know, I have four kids that are in college and high school now, Oh man, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's hard to go. You know what? I'm going to get rid of this significant income and I'm not going to make money for the next five or six years. Yeah. And not only that, I'm going to cash in all my retirement and all my savings and I'm going to invest it in this company that I have no idea if it's ever going to work. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, you know, taking that leap of faith is, is a, a pretty significant venture. You know, I'm fortunate. My wife and I actually get along and, uh, she, you know, knew I wasn't happy in the corporate world and she encouraged me to, to take the leap and said, who cares? <laughs> we'll get through it. Whatever happens, doesn't matter. So that's how we ended up doing it. So about three years ago, I turned in my notice as COO of Tavern Restaurant Group and uh, started Looking Glass Hospitality Group. Initially, I focused on doing consulting um, with the intent of opening, you know, several unique, different concepts. And ultimately, my goal is to get back into consulting. I enjoy helping young restaurateurs that don't know what they don't know yet. Yeah. Yeah. And helping them to be successful in this industry because there's such a high failure rate in the first year of a new restaurant and rarely does it have anything to do with the fact that they don't know how to cook or they don't know how to, you know, be hospitable at their front door. It really revolves around. They don't understand all of the facets that go into setting up a business and understanding the taxes and the payroll and the accounting and the leases and the, you know, the capital demands of a restaurant and et cetera, et cetera. Cause even if you've worked for a large company, your whole career, there's so much of the business that you're never exposed to. And uh, so ultimately my goal is to help, other restaurant tours be successful and the fact that i've not only worked every level of a restaurant up through coo but the fact that i've created my own concepts and taken them from ideation to profitability and i also have the construction company and i'm actually my own general contractor and i build my own restaurants you know there's, there's really no part of the restaurant business from ideation through execution of operations to design through physical construction that I don't understand. Yeah. And that's a very broad and pretty unique skill set you bring to the table for sure, Scott. That's awesome. Well, first of all, let me, man, I just have to commend you. I think that's just, I mean, I really, really love that story uh tip my hat to you for taking that risk especially at the stage in life when you did that because so many folks you know i've got three kids they're a little younger than yours but 
I've got a lot of friends that are, you know, maybe in corporate America and they're kind of stuck, right? They just, Mm -hmm. they're there. They may not love what they do, but they don't feel like they're able to get out. And you were fortunate to have, like you said, you're fortunate to have a bride who, who supported you. But I think it's, uh, it's must, I mean, a risk, you know, a risky feeling, probably, um, nights where you, you had a lot of, you know, worries, like, what am I doing? But then again, like, I bet, man, especially now, I mean, that's gotta be just a very liberating and freeing feeling to go out and do that. And now you guys have got, you've got a couple of concepts that are going well. And, um, you've, you know, you everything you do is for your business and not to some, somebody else's end. And, and I also agree with you that, um, that's why we're so proud to uh, serve independents, man. I think that, you know, independent restaurants are, you know, it's, I'm glad that people are thinking that way and they're supporting them more. They're such vital parts of their community, both as, you know, the money invest, you know, the money you spend at independent restaurants, it stays there. It gets invested in people uh, that work there. It gets invested in other projects in the community. There are places where people that are, uh, you know, want to, be together to meet and share things that are going on in the community. They congregate at independent restaurants. So, man, I just, for so many reasons, I'm just, uh, respect what you've done. And I'm, I'm thankful for folks like you for doing that, man. Genuinely. I mean, I mean that wholeheartedly. Well, thanks. And it's, you know, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I, I truly believe people who are passionate about this industry, you know, believe that they're of service, mm-hmm. you know, That's and, right. and you know, I can talk about it in a dozen different facets, but at the end of the day, you know, the, the people that are truly going to be successful in this business are the people that legitimately care about the experience that they bring to everyone around them, whether mm-hmm. it be their own employees, whether it be the guests that visit their business, whether it be their families, neighbors, community, and you know being involved charitably in your community you know when you open up local restaurants you know you have to give back to the community they will support you tenfold when they find out that you support the things that are important to that community we're very involved with our local high school um in both markets you know one you know i'm fortunate one restaurant is in my hometown here and we're very involved in donations and support for the community, charitable funds, the high school, all of the sports teams, et cetera. But even in the market where our other location is, we support that school and that school system as well, because that's important to the families there. And, uh, you know, we, we donate a lot of, of food and a lot of time, um, to helping those programs and we get our staff involved. Those are important things. It means a lot. And, you know, I, I, I think that's, you know, in, in today's, you know, divisive world, it's nice to know that there are people out there that are supporting the community regardless of who's in it. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, taking the time to be involved rather than just, trying to squeeze out every penny they can for themselves and that's you know that's the important part and what i love about being a local restaurateur so then is is a consultant 
or at least as you, you know, eventually maybe get back into f- doing that more full time. I mean, you, you, you clearly enjoy the process of helping people be successful in this industry that you is near and dear to your heart and that you love. Do you, um, do you find that like, do you, do you, do you screen out folks, uh, through their mentality? Because you do have to have that sort of that servant's heart, um, to make it work mm-hmm. in this industry. Is that, I mean, how do you, or is that, is that an educational part of this or are folks just, I mean, do you kind of need to be wired that way initially if, if to, to, to make it work in this business? Well, the, the, the sad thing about me as a consultant is I'm really bad at it in the sense that <laughs> I'm not just willing to take money from people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, a lot of consultants in this industry and it's, it's, you know, the, there, there's an old adage, which I don't agree with in, in its entirety, but, you know, people that can't do teach. And, you know, I find that a lot of the consultants that I've come across in, in this industry um, are people that never really had success in this industry, yet they started consultancies and they tried to tell people what to do. And it's like, have you ever opened a restaurant from the ground up by yourself? No. Well, then why are you trying to tell people how to do that? Yeah. And, uh, you know, the I I meet with people the first time they want to you know, they're interested in our services. I meet with them free of charge and I'll spend several hours with them. And I find I talk more people out of opening a restaurant than into buying my services um, because I, I think people have a huge misconception of the money that can be made in this business. <laughs> they don't understand it's pennies on the dollar, not, you know, quarters or 50 cent pieces on the dollar. And, uh, I, I, I think that is always shocking to people. Um, one gentleman I just met with not too long ago, he's made a lot of money in the hair industry salons and things. And he really wanted to open a local sports bar. And we went through the financials and he wanted to give back to the community he grew up in, which is starting to regentrify. Um, you know, and, and become, you know, a, a, a rejuvenated neighborhood. And he wanted to open a sports bar there and be a part of the community he grew up in. And once he realized the amount of capital that goes into opening a restaurant, the length of time before you see that capital come back to you, and then what that static return is at the end, he was like, you got to be kidding me. Mm. Why would anybody do this? Yeah. And I said, well, that's, that's a great question. You know, if you're not truly passionate about this industry, you shouldn't. So boy, you shouldn't because, cause that's gotta be what helps sustain you. I've got to imagine with, I mean, just all the daily things that happen. I mean, there's many, many wonderful, positive things that happen and smiling faces and people that come to celebrate, um, engagements, birthdays, they come to, to, to mourn together. They come to, you know, I mean, for so many reasons, there's, there's so many good things that happen. Um, but my goodness, on any given day, this could break, this person could quit, this bad experience could happen with it. I mean, it's just a, a laundry list of things that could go wrong. And often, I mean, on any given day, one of those things does and the hours and everything that are involved, you, you really have to I've got to imagine you've got to have a significant amount of passion for that and truly 
uh, have more of an underlying foundation than than just you know um, some financial success to sustain you to do that and do it for a long time. Well, uh, you know, I'm I'm very fortunate. I have uh, you know a lot of years in this business and and a lot of people that I've worked with and I've been fortunate to know that have uh, come along with me on this ride and even with those folks and you know the the chef at our taqueria and tequila bar um, is was a corporate chef for me for a national company um, and now he's slinging tacos um, and you know I, I have the the fortunate you know pleasure of having a lot of people that I've known for a long time that I've worked with that have come along on this ride with me and uh, even with those folks and places and we're talking you know very successful individuals you know my, my partner will and looking glass who handles the culinary side you know he's been a corporate chef a vice president of culinary and a concept chef for you know the largest companies in the United States and now he's you know working on in a two restaurant company um even with those people i still work seven days a week you know yeah (laughs) 16 to 20 hours a day given the day of the week because there's lots of financial information you know health insurance workers comp all these things that you deal with every day plus going in and actually working in the physical restaurant and making sure that everything's being taken care of but i don't think people understand you can't just buy a restaurant open your own restaurant and let it run itself it's not the way it works yeah i mean you've um you've made i mean i know you i'm sure that uh prior to leaving three years ago i'm sure you were working really hard but you've you you've made uh i mean you're you're much more <laughs> committed and involved in sort of the buck stops with you and your wife now um so it's it's got to be something that uh that you you do truly have an authentic love for, sure. for. And, i mean when when i worked for large companies you know my days off yeah i was off you're off. when i took yep. vacation i was on vacation yeah when the bank accounts were tight on cash that was somebody else's problem right right um you know, now all of those things are my problem. Um, you know, the if there's a bad week in one of the restaurants and they don't do the sales that are necessary for us to break even on the week, well, that cash has to come from somewhere. And, you know, that comes out of my pocket. And that's, you know, that's the big difference that I think a lot of people don't understand is, is the amount of capital that it takes to keep a restaurant running. And, you know, when you get to a point where you realize what the break even, you know, sales are for a restaurant, you have to understand there are going to be weeks where you're well ahead of that. And there's going to be weeks where you're below that. How do you navigate those times? And uh, that's, I think, the biggest mistake a lot of restaurateurs make is they think they're just going to always make money and they can afford to pay off their loans and their leases and all these things that, they take on as expense when they open a restaurant that, you know, if, if you're not strongly capitalized, you, you can't cover those, those spends. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you do, uh, and you tell us about your two places that you have now. Sure. 
uh, our, our first location that we opened was a uh, taqueria and tequila bar um, called Tahona Kitchen and Bar. Um, a Tahona is a, a piece of volcanic rock that's cut into a wheel, and it's uh, traditionally uh, pulled around a pit by a donkey or a horse, and it's used for crushing the baked agave, um, the, the piñas of the agave plant, and making an artisanal handmade tequila. Um, only a few distilleries still utilize the Tahona process. And when you see Tahona on a bottle of tequila, it inherently means that it's a handcrafted artisanal uh, tequila. So we took that name and took it into what we do in our taqueria. All of our tacos are made from scratch. We use high quality ingredients. Everything sliced, diced, and chopped fresh every day. We make four fresh salsas. We uh, roast whole chickens all day long um, and pull those down. And we use the bones to make the chicken stock, to make our mm. chicken tortilla soup. And, you know, each of our tacos has a unique flavor profile. We don't use the same toppings across all of our tacos. So the intent was to take that taqueria with cilantro and onion and the same spice mix and all the different meats and make it a little more artisanal. And that was what we did at Tahona. Um, you know, our second concept is SW Clybourne Company Provision and Spirits. And what we really wanted to do is create a very urban downtown feeling gastropub. It's very chef driven and put it in the suburbs of Cincinnati. Um, you know, we have a lot of cool restaurants that are downtown and in a, uh, a section of downtown called Over the Rhine or OTRs, we refer to locally. But the problem is in Mason, where I live and where our gastropub is, it's a 40 minute drive away. Yeah. Uh, and I believe that there are a lot of people that live in the suburbs of cities, you know, all across the country that are like me. I feel very urban, but because I have a family, I live in the suburbs, better school systems, typically, you know, better housing opportunities, etc. But I still want to feel urban on Friday and Saturday nights when my wife and I go out to eat dinner and sometimes driving 40 minutes, paying for parking, dealing with all of that, you know, not being able to have a couple of cocktails because you've got to drive 40 minutes home. That's not always the best option for dining. So and unfortunately, in the suburb where we live, the only options were, you know, the large chain companies. Chains. So we really yep. wanted to create a, a restaurant that was very chef driven, you know, very cool presentations, atmosphere, you know, and a look and a feel that just doesn't exist in the suburbs. So that's what we did with with Clybourne's. That's really cool, man. You, you could do that in South Charlotte if you ever have the time. We'd love it. Um, we're in the same boat. I feel like, I want, is that, is it because um, in the suburbs there's just all the, all the real estate is new construction and like a lot of the places you, you know, you talk about downtown Cincinnati or I think of Charlotte and things like that. Those kind of cool places, urban pla they're all in old buildings and things like that. Like how do you do that in newer real estate? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, Clybourne's, the, the the reason we love the space for Clybourne's is it's literally this small strip mall that could be put anywhere suburban United States. And there's actually a car wash at the end of the strip mall. 
So yeah. the last space of the strip mall is a car wash, believe it or not. And, you know, what appealed to me for that location was the fact that when you pull up as a guest, you know, most likely your wife is making you try the new restaurant and, uh, you know, you're going to go, oh, my gosh, this place, a strip mall restaurant in suburban USA. This is awful. And hopefully when you open the doors, you feel like you've been transported to a downtown. Nice. Okay. And just the decor, the way we design the interior of the space. My wife does all of our restaurant designs and she knocked it out of the park on on this one. Um, she really used a, a Victorian post-industrial theme. If you think about a Jules Verne novel, um, that's what she used. So there's little touches of steampunk and brick walls and Victorian living room and lots of, of you know, unique characteristics and design, huge crystal chandeliers and really cool steampunk gear chandeliers and you know we're fortunate to have a great partner in our metal worker who does amazing custom metal work for us um and uh you know we were just really able to create a restaurant that just looks so different than anything else you've ever seen particularly in the suburbs that when you walk in you, you know the underwhelming appearance of the strip mall you know kind of sets you up for the spike if you will when you walk in and go, holy cow, this is completely different. Yeah. We have an open show kitchen. I mean, we have a, a gargoyle street lamp in the middle of the dining room that, you know, where have you ever seen a gargoyle street lamp in the middle of a dining room? Right. And right. Uh, so that's really what we, we wanted to create something that even though you've eaten there six or eight times, you're still noticing things for the first time and going, oh my gosh, I never noticed that I'm sitting next to a gargoyle street lamp. That's crazy. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, that's cool. And, you know, that's, you know, uh, I, I think that, you know, for the suburbs, I, I think you can take the mundane, but you just have to really have great calculated design intent that makes it feel like, I mean, when you're inside a building, you don't see the architecture. It, you know what I mean? You don't feel that old downtown feeling it's all about the space you're in and what did they do with that so i think you can do it you just have to have you know a very calculated intent in what you do uh, that's really cool i really i like that a lot that's a, that's great man um the uh yeah i mean you have to have and you have it sounds like your wife has got tons of creativity with design which is a, such a huge part of that so you've got a great team um yeah it was I was pretty sad when I found out she was capable of designing these restaurants like this. You know, she did Tahona, she did, um, you know, Clybourne's and, and I was like, man, when I worked for these large companies that could have saved a lot of money, not paying for these big design firms <laughs> right. to come in and make my restaurants look like everybody else's. And, uh, you know, she, she works really well. We have a great architectural team, you know, and a, a company, local company here called drawing department, and the principal there, Ron, is a good friend of ours now. And, and, you know, Aaron works really well with them so that they're able to take her physical, you know, desires of what she wants to have happen in the restaurant. And they're able to turn it into great drawings that I can then in turn, as the general contractor, turn into a reality. And it's, uh, it's been a really nice partnership 
you know, between her as the designer, them as the architects, and myself as the general contractor to uh, to make these restaurants turn out in a very unique fashion. So, do you um, I'm curious, like you know, when you're getting these places off the ground, um, and trying to attract folks to come. You know, you got to get people in the doors, um, and there's a lot of competition these days, and the chains have a lot of resources, as you know. What, what do you? I mean, is it, how do you do you do you focus on just taking great care of the people that come in and providing a great experience so that they want to return, or how do you get? I mean, do you use social media, or how how are you creating awareness about these new concepts? And you know, the way you describe them is it makes you want to come there, but if you don't know much about them, how, how do you find out about your places? And, um, well, it's, you know, this, this is one place where I'll, I'll differ from a lot of people in some ways. Um, you know, when I open a restaurant, I just open the doors. Yeah. I don't put out a lot of fanfare PR. Gotcha. Uh, I don't spend a lot of money on marketing. Um, and there, there's several reasons. Um, you know, opening Clybourne's, that was the 61st restaurant that I've opened in my career. Um, and I've seen every type of opening you can imagine from the most chaotic with stories of pain and misery, unlike anything you could imagine, to the smoothest and the most uneventful. And the thing that I've found that correlates in openings, you know, and I was fortunate working for large companies and doing lots of openings, um, is the restaurants that open with the the least amount of chaos are the restaurants that are the most successful long term. Mm. And when a restaurant opens and it's overwhelmed and chaotic and you're apologizing to the guests in that beginning, you know, opening few months, um, even though most people say, oh, I'll give it a try again because it, you know, it's a new restaurant. New restaurants always struggle you're still giving people a bad first impression. And there are a lot of people that even though they say they'll try you again, because of that bad first impression, they never make it around to trying you again. Cause as you said, there's an awful lot of options and choices. So we open and we just open the doors and we just kind of let it organically grow. And it enables us to focus on the service staff and make sure that they're delivering a unique experience enables us to focus on the kitchen and make sure that our chef and culinary team are able to execute the food. And it's particularly important when you do a first time ever concept, because I have no idea, you know, I have no idea what food is going to be the most popular. I have no idea how much prep is going to be involved in executing a particular dish. If it is really popular, um, so you, you have to be able to make so many changes in those first three months and the more chaotic your opening is, the less ability you have to juke and jive with the expectations of your business. And so the first year of any of the concepts that I'm going to ever open, um, I just write those off. I, I don't even worry about the first year. I make sure I have enough capital to sustain the restaurant for that year. Yeah. And we focus on execution. 
and ideally if we're doing a great job we're delivering you know i, I boil it down to three very simple things you've got to have great food and beverage You've got to do it with great service and hospitality, and it's got to be in a clean and safe environment. And if you can do those three things over and over again, you're going to be successful. I mean, if you think about any bad experience you've ever had, they didn't hit on one or more of those three things. And, you know, if you can create a team that's capable of managing those three things to a high level, you're going to organically grow into the sales volume you need to be uh, to be successful. And yeah, so I'm, I'm a very firm believer in this is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm. And when you're undercapitalized, you make it a sprint because you have to make X amount of dollars right out of the gates in order to be able to cover your notes. And that's always the death of a restaurant. So Word of mouth advertising is by far the most powerful marketing for a restaurant. And if you think about it, driving down the road, you're inundated with billboards and sides of buses and benches and things, you know, yard signs and all these advertisements. Have you ever really made a decision based on those? You know, you right. flip through magazines, you get chased by you know, uh, dialogue in your computer screen, you get, you know, all these things, these impressions, you know, marketing companies will sit here and tell you, oh, it's about impressions. The more impressions you get, the more impressions you get, the more people subconsciously will, will choose you. And I managed, you know, tens of millions of dollars of marketing budgets. And I would sit with these big New York firms and branding agencies and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and brand awareness, you know, exercises and things like this, nobody could ever prove to me my actual return on investment in marketing. And how do I know that me spending $10 million on this big nationwide marketing blitz that I'm going to do $100 million that I need to and set additional revenue that makes back that $10 million? Right, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, so when I opened my own company, it was one of the things that, you know, I just, I get inundated with people asking me, you know, coming, advertising our magazine, advertising this, advertising that. And for the first year, at least, I won't spend a penny on it because I'd rather keep that cash in my account and keep it focused on great execution. Well, and, and you understand the importance of being, I mean, this comes back to a key point you made, which is being properly capitalized. I bet a lot of people aren't property. I mean, truly properly capitalized. So in other words, you said you write the first year off. I, I've got to guess that most people um, don't plan on that and aren't capitalized sufficiently to do that. But that's, I mean, you're, you're playing the long game there, which is, which is smart. And it's myopic to think that, Hey, if we can get everybody in here quickly, you know, that's just, boy, that is risky proposition. And if you're relying on having to have early, cause like you said, you, 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 there's so many reasons that can go awry, but if that's part of your plan, you got, I mean, you're behind the eight ball right away, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. And that's what, what, it, you know, what happens with a lot of restaurants is they, 
they open, you know, they take out a second mortgage on their house. They borrow money from friends and family. They take out equipment leases. They sign up for 30 day net, you know, accounts with all their vendors. They do all of these things and go, Oh, it's no problem. I'm going to be busy, you know, as soon as I open the doors and I'm going to be able to pay all this money back. And they don't realize in the beginning of a restaurant, even for large companies, you know, the first three months to six months of any new restaurant operation, you're operating in the negative. Yeah. Because you're overstaffed and you know your waste, you don't understand your preparation, you don't understand, you know, staffing and needs and the flow of the restaurant. And are we gonna be busy on Monday lunches? Or are we gonna be slow? Are we gonna be so you're you're you have no pulse on that location, even if you've opened 50 other locations, that particular location has its own pulse and you don't understand any of that. And then let's say you, you are able to make the restaurant operate in the black and after those first three to six months, what well, takes you the next three to six months to pay back that money. Right, right. And you haven't even touched the $2 million or whatever it costs to open that restaurant. So then you've got this, four or five year return on the initial capital in that business. Now you're making money. And most people don't understand that that's the time frame on a restaurant. You yeah. know, it, it takes you four plus years to make your money back. And that's if it's done well. <laughs> and if you're not capitalized to make it for those four years, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I mean, in the first year is always the hardest, and that's why, you know, I don't know what the exact number is. I've heard in the mid '80s, you know, eighty percent of restaurant failures all happen within the first twelve months. Yeah, and you know, the reason for that, plain and simple, is capitalization, and you don't know what you don't know. And once you realize, wait a second, I've got to pay this, I've got to pay these taxes, I've got to pay this up front, I've got to do this, all of a sudden, you're like. This is overwhelming. And now you're stuck in the office worrying about all these things rather than being at your front door or standing out on your pass as the expediter, as the chef of the concept, doing what you do really well to ensure your business is successful. Totally, so. totally, man. That's yeah. Um, this is too, I could, I could, well, let's put it this way. I could talk to you for another hour uh, easily, but, also, I respect your time, and I know you have a lot going on, and I asked for about half an hour, and I've taken more than that. So, um, but, I mean, anybody listening to this, there's so much wisdom and so much gold in here, Scott. I can't cannot thank you enough for taking the time to do this, uh, and I really admire the uh, steps you took to start your business a few years ago, the knowledge you bring to the table, the, you know, just the wisdom you bring to this conversation about the things you need to do to, to get it right, which so many people I think miss. So I know everybody listening is going to learn a ton from you and uh, I appreciate it, man. I mean, we, we, we're fired up as, as anything at schedule fly to serve places like yours and to serve folks that are, you know, starting independent places and, and view independent uh, restaurants and hospitality is, is such an incredibly vital part of our community so i just i thank you and i, I tip my hat and i appreciate you taking the time to do this today well my pleasure and let me thank you and your team for creating a uh, a scheduling app 
that doesn't make it impossible for an independent restaurateur to have that technology at their fingertips. Um, and, you know, there, there are a lot of different apps and scheduling systems out there. And, you know, I, I, I used you when I was a big company and I use you now that I'm a little company. Um, and, you know, I appreciate the fact that, that your app doesn't overwhelm you with all these things that you don't have time or need for, but doesn't charge you for them regardless of you using them. And that's, you know, the key having used a lot of different scheduling apps over my years in this business as it became, you know, a, a big part of the business. I appreciate the fact that you guys have a simple, you know, effective tool that doesn't cost an arm and a leg that does all the bells and whistles that makes sense for a small business. And it, it is, uh, it's great to, uh, to have you guys, you know, hopefully it seems having the success you are bringing in the people to, uh, to use your format because it's a great tool. No, oh, dude, I really appreciate that very much, man. That's real kind of you. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, well, like you, we, we, it's, it's word of mouth. I mean, we don't advertise and we don't have salespeople, so it's just great to have folks that like what we do and they take it from place to place and, um, it's, it's fun business. So, but we, we're very thankful to serve the audience that we do. So, uh, thank you. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. And appreciate uh, you uh, and your team and please pass that along to your wife and all of your crew at both places. And, uh, I'll let you go, man. But if I can everything do anything for you, um, you know where I'm at. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it. All right, Scott. Have a good one, man. All right. You too. All right. Take care. Thanks.